It is another edition of Making Money with the financial coach, Ron Hebert, retired portfolio manager. I'm Gord Whitehead, a retired broadcaster. So much to chew on right now, Ron. Let's start with something that's been in the news of late. China. We've talked about China so much over the years about how they're this big economy and everything's manufactured over there and they're leading the world. Right now, that's not the case. They're in a little bit of trouble, aren't they? They've got demographic problems. They've got youth unemployment that last time I looked, and it's still going up, was 22%. They've got a massive housing bubble. They created such easy conditions to get money. And of course, uh, the Chinese piled into second and third houses, and they all thought that they were going to buy them and rent them out. Well, there's such a big housing pool, and, and some of that pool is empty. And of course, if you're a bank and you've lent money against real estate, and the real estate isn't producing any cash flow, well, all of a sudden, you've got a default risk on the loan. And we're not talking just individuals here. We're talking Evergrande, uh, Country Garden, some of the biggest real estate developers in China. Uh, Evergrande is restructured. It's essentially bankrupt. And Country Garden, by the time you read this, is probably going to have gone under the waves as well. So these are massive problems. And uh, Xi, who is Chinese, China's premier, frankly, uh, he reminds me of a lot of local politicians which really don't have much of a grasp on, on how to handle the economy. I think he's making a massive mess out of things. And uh, China's got, got some real problems. And, of course, you know, some people are rejoicing. They're saying, well, it, uh, it looks good on them. Look at all the problems that they've uh, uh, caused for other economies. Caused for other economies. But the problem is there's such a huge component of the global economy. If they get sick we all heard as well, Canada especially, because we do a lot of exporting to them of raw materials and things like that. And if they're not using those raw materials, uh, it filters back into our economy as well. So the, their, their market headed into bull territory, or, or pardon me, uh, into bear territory recently. It fell 20% from its recent peak in January. And, and the yuan, their currency, is down sharply as well. So they've got a whole basket full of problems here, haven't they? They've got a currency problem. Uh, certainly, they've got a real estate problem. And they've got a demographic problem. I mean, China for years had a one-child policy, and birth rates came down dramatically. And all of a sudden, they realized that, whoa, uh, we're not going to have enough young people to fill the jobs of the retiring people and certainly to look after them. So what's happened is now they're trying to stimulate and give cash bonuses and and tax incentives to people to have a family but the you know the the trains left the station gourd most people have reached a point where they've decided no no they're at the age where we're not going back and having kids we had an opportunity before we're not doing it now and the next generation frankly doesn't want them you know they look at uh, people young kids are having pets yeah, it's well, it's fascinating how it. I I guess maybe there were were there some warning signs along the way because it just seemed like it sprang up and it made big news recently that this all took place and uh, you, you you often wonder if if some of this news is suppressed. The Chinese government, I think, is pretty good at suppressing things they don't want released. Well, youth unemployment is one of them, you know, where they quit announcing youth unemployment once it hit twenty percent because, frankly, that's an embarrassment for the country. 
Well, there you go. That's the update on China for those of you who are pay attention, paying attention to the news. We want to pay attention to a question that we got from a listener. This is a good one, Ron. Uh, we often say to people, look, if you have a question or something that we've covered on the show that you're not sure about, feel free to contact us through our website, letsmakemoney.ca. This one came in. Why are the Bank of Commerce, Bank of Nova Scotia, Bank of Montreal, I don't think it's just those three. I think it's all the Canadian banks are a little bit soft right now. Uh, do we look at these as a buy opportunity? Well, the banks have been weak lately, and you have to understand what has driven them down. The first is high interest rates will cause mortgage defaults, and we're not just talking about China. You know, the average five-year mortgage here a little over a year ago was under 3%. Now you're getting mortgages between 5 and 7%, depending on your credit rating. You know, and banks have large loan portfolios, commercial real estate. And if you've been following that market recently. That's been cratering. Yeah. That has been totally cratering. You look at businesses that, you know, maybe they're getting half or three quarters of their employees coming back. And the rest of them are rotating in, maybe coming in once a week, maybe not even coming in at all. They don't need the commercial space that they had before. So uh, as their leases come up. They're, they're releasing. It's not like they're they're walking away from leases, but they're le they're leasing at, at a third the footprint, half the footprint, maybe three quarters of the footprint, and so you know you're looking at um, vacancy rates in commercial office towers that are the highest we've seen in, in a long long time, and and this isn't going to get better. And some key buildings that we've seen sell in Canada and the United States, some are selling as low as 40 or 50 cents on the dollar. So most people are holding back. They haven't started to sell yet. But when banks foreclose on them, then these buildings get put up for sale. And when you start seeing a lot of for sale signs up, you realize that, hey, we have a huge problem. And um, big banks in Canada have a large commercial real estate portfolio. And they're going to have to take some major write downs. And that's being reflected in the, the stock. Also, we have the possibility of a global recession. And the interesting thing about recessions, Gord, people don't realize that recessions often take place uh, a year or two after the, we start seeing the, the rise in interest rates. So we saw interest rates start rising in spring of 2022. Well, if it takes two years for an average recession to happen. That means it's coming next spring. That means it's coming next spring. And, and investors are aware of that. And banks typically, if we have a recession, have to take write downs. And of course, that's a problem for them. What about, uh, we had failures of banks south of the border. We, we, I remember the one in Silicon Valley, the Silicon Valley Bank, isn't that what it was called? Yeah, Silicon so, yeah. Valley Bank. And there's been four high profile bank among regional banks. Some of it has been due to incompetence, but some of it has just been due to conditions have changed so quickly. So people are wondering, well, if we're starting to see bank after bank, is this going to be a domino like we saw in the 90s and, and with the financial crisis, in, especially in the U.S. between 2007 and 2009? And is it going to domino through the financial industry? And of course, you have in Bank of Nova Scotia's case, well, they are focused on Latin America, where they have a large uh, banking presence. Well, emerging market. I mean, I, it's probably a smart play at one time, right? Maybe that's not the case now. <laughs> well, uh, right now, you've had a, a, a swing in countries 
uh, Mexico and on down into South America that are moving away from uh, democracy and free enterprise more towards socialism and nationalizing key industries. And that historically has never been uh, a great place and time to be in a bank, you know. When governments are taking assets away from private enterprise, <clears throat> it, uh, it's worrisome. And of course, then you start getting inflation, you get mismanagement. And, you know, investors have uh, peeked into the or tweaked into this stuff. And, and we've seen uh, Commerce and Bank of Nova Scotia down 30% from the 2022 highs. Bank of Montreal is down over 20% as of a couple of weeks ago when I last did the calculation. So, you know, the banks are taking a, a hit here because investors are looking at the tea leaves and aren't liking what they're seeing. Okay, so what about where interest rates are right now? We, we know that they're high, and, and banks work on spreads often, don't they? Yeah. And so the positives for the banks, I mean, typically if you start seeing 30% plus hits in the bank stocks, it's generally time to start putting them on your radar. You know, and investors are starting to be attracted to the yields. I mean, Bank of Montreal, 5.1%. Commerce has got a yield of 6.4%. And Bank of Nova Scotia, with the extra worries of their exposure in South America, is yields as high as 6.7%. We haven't seen yields like that in, in almost 15 years. So interest rates have quit going up. So most analysts think that Worst case, maybe we have one more rate increase ahead of us. It could be a while before rates start coming down, but rate increases, the bulk of it looks like we're good, we've seen it in the rearview mirror. That's good for banks. And of course, Canadians have we a- We like our banks. We, oh, we love our banks. You know, we have a love-hate relationship. Every time you see someone stomping out of a bank, they're complaining about service, they're complaining about fees, but you ask them what they'd like to own, and they want to own the banks because they like the high dividends, they like the profitability. So it's a love-hate relationship. You hear a lot of grumbling, but uh, when prices get cheap, the bargain hunters are, are in their gourd. Of course, the pressure's on now in a situation like this when I ask this question of you, because you spent 40 years in this business. Nobody can predict the bottom. I don't care who they are. Yeah. So, But you have to think we've got to be getting near some kind of a threshold here where you might want to pull the trigger and buy some of these banks, right? You know, I've never really been very good at uh, picking the bottoms of stocks. I've generally spent my career buying you know, quality names when they look inexpensive and adding to those positions anytime they pull back in price or, or, or start looking cheap. And we're starting to get banks to fall into those quality bargain parameters that, uh, that I've been watching for years. So, you know, what I suggest to people is, is to start lagging in, buying a little bit at a time, take a position, and if it gets a little cheaper, just start adding in uh, at... Uh, these are starting to look like good levels. So somewhere in here is probably not a bad time to start taking a position. Go on dividend reinvestment plans. So if, especially if things stay down for a while, because we have a recession, it doesn't mean things are going to bounce back right away. In fact, even if it's uh, they stay down for a while, if you're on dividend reinvestment plan, it just means you get to buy more more stock. At a cheaper a, price. Yeah, <laughs> a cheaper price. So that doesn't look too bad. So in my portfolio, Canadian banks, I've always considered them to be buy and hold securities. And since I'm a long-term investor, uh, banks, banks are high on my radar right now because... Uh, they've taken some of the biggest hits. But in Canada, 
the banks have been some of the best long-term performers of any sector. So uh, when they get cheap, keep your eyes open. I've told the story many times about the lady who was our accountant when I first came to Edmonton to work in radio, and she was a very sage lady. And her advice to me, Gordon Whitehead, you buy banks and you never sell them. <laughs> and God bless her. God rest her soul. I've done it. And, and, and over the long term, I certainly don't regret it. They've been nothing but positive. I mean, sure, we take some hits every once in a while, but name me a stock that doesn't go through that. Nothing continually goes up. They have peaks and valleys, right? They have peaks and valleys. And, uh, you know, historically, when you've got the banking sector in Canada earning 10% growth a year in earnings over decades, uh, this has been a pretty good place for Canadians to have some of their money. So there you go. A little update on the Canadian bank situation and uh, also a little discussion on China. Uh, here we are in an, an interesting period of time with the environmental movement and everything. In our next episode of Making Money, Ron, we want to take a look at, uh, at oil. And, uh, you know, the question could be asked, are we ever going to see another bull market? We'll give you our thoughts on that next time around on Making Money. If you have a question or a follow-up, let's make money.ca or through the cfcw.com portal. We're back next week. On behalf of the financial coach, Ron Hebert, I'm Gord Whitehead. We will join you then. The information presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable. This material is presented for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional. The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.